Hi, and welcome to another episode of the MedTech Matters podcast, where we learn about someone impacting the medical device industry. I'm Sean Fensky, Editor-in-Chief of MPO and host of the podcast. Today we're speaking with Anthony Fernando, President and CEO of Ascensus Surgical. Anthony, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Doing good, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Great. Great to have you. So your company offers the Senhance Surgical System. Can you tell us what that is? Sure. So um, Senhance is a multi-port uh, surgical robotic platform uh, that performs a digital laparoscopic procedures. Uh, so when you think about surgery, uh, there are two types of surgery that exist, one's open and other one's minimally invasive. And within minimally invasive, uh, we are primarily focused on uh, laparoscopy, uh, which has been around for several decades, and it's a very uh, successful uh, implementation and with really good clinical outcomes. So what we've done is we've uh, brought robotic technology uh, and helped digitize uh, the laparoscopic uh, procedures to help surgeons and patients uh, do better surgery. So that's that's kind of in a you know in a very brief introduction. That's what the Senhance uh, system does. And then we've been on the market for several years. We have active sites here in the U.S., Europe, and in Asia Pacific, uh, performing uh, surgery on on patients every day. And and as as you're well aware, you know the the robotic surgical system is is growing very rapidly. We're seeing new competitors and new companies announcing uh, surgical systems or robotic surgical systems. Uh, what differentiates you know the Senhance system from you know other competitors that are in the market? Yeah, great question, Sean. So. What we are focusing on is, you know, a few things. After ro surgical robotics have been around for a little over two decades, and even after two decades, the uh, the, the market share for robotic procedures is less than five percent. Wow. Uh, and and one of the reasons why that number is so low is because of the cost uh, cost mm -hmm. per procedure is pretty high. So what we do is we are offering a system with fully reusable instruments, very similar to laparoscopy. And by doing that, we can keep the cost significantly lower. When I say significantly, you know, less than half of the cost of uh, current robotic uh, systems. And also, given that we are uh, mimicking laparoscopic uh, technique, it's a lot easier to adopt. Uh, for a surgeon, uh, the training burden is uh, lower, uh, and, and even for the operating uh, room staff, it makes, the, makes it a very familiar interface. So we are trying to bring familiarity, uh, and we are also trying to uh, make uh, leveraging technology uh, significantly more affordable uh, so that we can drive further penetration uh, into the market and make technology accessible to a broader group of surgeons. So even though the, the, the surgeon is using a robotic system, the learning curve with your, uh, with your system is 
less than what it might be for for a different robotic system. It sounds like that's what you're saying. Do I have that correct? Yeah, I think you have that correct because, you know, surgeons train for, you know, many years to perform laparoscopy, which is a technique, and they get used to doing it. So what we do uh, is the same thing where when the surgeon, instead of standing up next to the patient doing the surgery, the surgeon can sit down comfortably at a console a few feet away from the patient and perform the surgery, and their hand movements and motion techniques are very similar to what they would have done standing up. And and for the Mm -hmm. operating room staff as well, uh, where they place the ports, how they prepare the patient uh, for the procedure, they're all very similar. So as a result, uh, the surgeons have a much uh, easier time uh, adopting the technology. Is that a surprise? I mean, I, I've seen some of these robotic surgical systems, and, you know, they, they can be quite intimidating. You know, they're very, they look like a very complex system, of course. Um, you know, I'm sure that can be intimidating to some surgeons. Are they relieved? What, what's the surgeon's reaction when they realize, uh, you know, how familiar they already are with some of the techniques that they need to use on the robotic system versus their normal, uh, what they're accustomed to? The, you know, is, is that familiarity obviously a benefit to them? Oh, definitely. The, their familiarity is a, is, a, is a benefit to them. Uh, because they they have to learn and understand the system. They need to understand the software. They need to understand the machine, so to speak. But the surgical technique remains the same. So that gives them some level of comfort and confidence to perform. So, uh, yes, I, I agree with you. When they see a, a, a complicated uh, system, uh, it is a little bit intimidating at, at first, but I think... We, we train surgeons over like a two-day period. So at the end of the second day, the surgeons are pretty comfortable uh, to operate on the, on, on the system. So it, it's, a, it's a much uh, a simpler task because they are only trying to understand how to manipulate the system. But the surgical technique and, and all of their previous experiences uh, still remain valid and, and they can perform the surgery the same way they have done uh, previously. Right, right. That's that's obviously a fantastic feature uh, of the system. Um, you know, another aspect that's making its way very rapidly into uh, the medical device manufacturing, medical devices, uh, and healthcare in general uh, is AI and machine learning. Can you speak to what AI or what role AI and machine learning are playing within the robotic surgical space? Sure, sure. Happy to do that. So, I mean, we are uh, very proud that we were the first company to bring AI and machine learning into the soft tissue surgical robotic space. And we have it FDA approved and CE marked, and we're just at the beginning of that uh, journey, Uh, but a a very nice head start. What does this do? When you think about robotics, what robotics did was it addressed some of the physical fatigue and ergonomics uh, issues of surgeons. 
because surgeons were standing up, performing surgery. So it, it started to address uh, that. But now when you think about AI and machine learning, it's really appealing to a different uh, side, uh, which is mostly around cognitive fatigue. Uh, by employing AI and machine learning, there's a, a real opportunity to reduce the cognitive fatigue of the surgeon so that the surgeon can focus on the patient and the procedure they're doing, but not so much on all the peripheral activities. I mean, the surgeon has to deal with a lot of things. And, and it's not as if a surgeon does one operation per day. They have multiple patients, multiple surgeries that they have to perform each day. So knowing that there is a digital assistant, someone, uh, a digital twin, so to speak, over time that understands how you perform certain procedures, how you deviate based on the dynamics of the patient. So these are learning algorithms, and over time, uh, the surgeon can feel more confident doing the surgery. I mean, similar to GPS uh, that we and navigation and autonomous cars that we see today, it was an evolution from a map to a navigation system uh, to uh, kind of moving to uh, autonomous uh, kind of uh, uh, cars. Uh, so I think that's a similar analogy here is to really appeal to the, the cognitive fatigue of surgeons and also be uh, uh, somewhat of a, a well-informed assistant to the surgeon. Um, also, I think another piece to add there is when you think about there are so many surgeries that happen all over the world, and there's so many uh, you know, surgeons, really good surgeons everywhere. But this technology will enable uh, you know, learning from everywhere, you know, taking the best from everywhere and, and be able to leverage it anywhere so that every outcome is a superior outcome. That's, that's the goal, and I think that's what AI and machine learning uh, will continue to improve and, and play a significant role in the future uh, with respect to uh, you know, robotic-assisted surgery. When you, when you uh, make reference to a, a, almost like a digital twin uh, to the surgeon, uh, is that unique to each surgeon? Are there uh, preferences uh, that are learned for each surgeon using the system, or is that more of a general, uh, you know, uh, is the machine learning uh, custom to all the procedures, uh, uh, you know, on the whole, or is it is it unique to each surgeon? I wouldn't say it's – I would say there is some element that would be unique to the surgeon and some elements would be unique to the procedure uh, because mm -hmm. surgeons do have preferences and, and they do have their own techniques. Uh, so it, I, I think it will be a blend, right? Just the, the a surgeon, if the surgeon wants to follow their technique, that's not an issue. The surgeon can follow their technique. Mm -hmm. uh, the digital twin concept is just a, a, you know guidance saying this is how this is this is a recommendation. Would you like to proceed? Right. And the surgeon could say, no, I want to continue what I do, which is fine, but at least there is a, a point of view based on data and evidence from 
many more. So there's some level of car, uh, preference to the surgeon, but also I think it, it will be also thinking about it in terms of leveraging the, uh, the broader ecosystem of surgeries being performed. Yeah, so it, it sounds like regardless of the experience level of the surgeon, you know, for a, for a newer surgeon or a surgeon that's doing a procedure, they're not, you know, as experienced in it. It serves. It sounds like it serves as a fantastic reminder of you know steps along the way. And for an experienced surgeon, you know, it's just kind of like keeping things top of mind, or you know, a recommendation from a colleague about, hey, maybe you want to try this approach, or hey, this is typically the next step. But the the you know the experienced surgeon can can say, no, 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 I'm good. I have my process. A novice surgeon may say, "Oh, yeah, that's that's a great, you know, that that's a great reminder. Let me let me do that next." Exactly. I I, I think that's a very important point that you make because you know when especially when you think about the U.S. Uh, uh, surgeons, uh, it is projected that there is going to be a shortage of surgeons in the next mm -hmm. ten years. Uh, and, and one of the reasons for that is the very long and tedious training process that the surgeons have to go through. They have to put, you know, several thousand hours into training before a surgeon starts to operate on their own. So having tools like this will definitely simplify that process and also build more confidence uh, for the newer surgeons uh, to be uh, to know that they are leveraging uh, data and know-how from, uh, you know, several hundreds, thousands of experienced surgeons. Uh, and and right. also for the experienced surgeons, it's just, you know, when you're on your third, fourth, fifth, sixth case during a day, you know, surgeons are also, you know, human and, and they are tired. But to know, have the confidence that, you know, there's, there's a, uh, you know, there's a digital twin and, and I'm getting guidance so it will avoid any possible uh, misstep that one might make. So earlier we, we you know, talked a little bit very quickly about the emergence of robotic surgical solutions um, and how that is growing, but you also mentioned that, you know, we're still only seeing a 5% uh, of, of surgical pr uh, procedures are robotic. What is what is driving this segment, and and you know, do you expect that number to grow rapidly? That five percent, you know, where 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 do you see this uh, this segment going? Yeah, I I would see you know very rapid growth over the next you know five ten year time frame, because that's uh, until we came along, there's only been one player in the market. And they, they they pretty much occupy you know somewhere between three to five percent of the global market. Majority of the penetration being here in the U.S. So there's plenty of opportunity for growth. And again, when you talk to hospitals and surgeons, they want to adopt new technology because they know that the, adopting the technology will lead to better outcomes for the patients and also provide a benefit to the hospital and the surgeons uh, alike. So given that there's definitely interest, and, and like I said, cost is one of the biggest barriers there uh, for greater adoption. So I think when, when more companies come uh, into play, I think it will drive 
the cost down uh, so that the adoption can be greater uh, over time. And and you know beyond beyond market growth, uh, you know what do you see ahead for the robotic surgical for these robotic surgical systems? You know where well, what's what's uh, on the horizon for robotic surgical systems? Or if you prefer, uh, you can also speak to you know more localized. What's what's happening, uh, or what do you anticipate for a census in the next uh, you know five to ten years? Sure, sure, I can answer both those. So I think when you think about surgery globally, uh, there is a few things. Still, there's a lot of surgical variability that exists in the world uh, in in surgery. And, you know, when a complication happens, I mean, one in five surgeries, uh, you know, result in some sort of a complication. And when a complication happens, the the profitability of or the, the cost to the hospital is so big that, that it, it becomes a, a loss to the hospital. And not to mention, no patient wants to be that one in five either. <laughs> right. So that's kind of the direction where this is going is technology can address these issues. Technology can, you know, predict the, predict the uh, outcome. Technology can reduce the variability and also provide a benefit not just for the patient but also for the surgeon. And if you provide technology that provides a benefit to the person, patient by improving outcomes by means of reducing variability and reducing any possible complications, and the surgeon is also happy, then you know the hospitals are going to be in a much better place and they can provide better care for the masses uh, overall. Mm -hmm. So that's what we are really, that's kind of where, that's what we are focusing on primarily saying how do we reduce variability in surgery and and how do we reduce uh, possible complications by reducing the cognitive fatigue of the surgeons so that the surgeons can put their training uh, years and years of training and skills to caring for the patient while, you know, any surgical uh, challenges or complications or any events can be managed uh, by the, the system uh, in a way that is complementary uh, to the surgeon uh, leading to a, a better outcome. So there's, there's a huge potential and, and we are really focused on uh, how we can uh, apply digital technology and make it uh, affordable and accessible to mm-hmm. to the to a much broader uh, set of uh, surgeons, patients, and, and hospitals than than today. Fantastic. Well, that's a that's a that's a great goal, or you know, uh, at least a next step for for the company and for the industry at large. Um, unfortunately, though, that is all the time we have for this episode of MedTech Matters. I'd like to thank my guest, Anthony Fernando, President and CEO of Ascensus Surgical, for all of his insights and comments about robotic surgical systems and, you know, telling us more about his, his own surgical system, the Senhance system. Uh, and as always, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. So until next time, this has been Sean Fenske, Editor-in-Chief of MPO, saying thanks for listening. <laughs>